This is Joseph Bolger, and I'd like to welcome you to the first podcast from Hatikva HaMashiach Ministries, that is, the hope of the Messiah. And since this is our first podcast, let me give you a little bit of my background. I've been a Messianic rabbi for just over 22 years. I served as a rabbi for Congregation Beit Lechem in Jackson, Mississippi for 19 years until I retired from congregational leadership in 2019. I have traveled and taught in the southeastern United States and overseas, and today I work within both the federal and state prison systems, teaching Torah, Messiah, and a Hebraic lifestyle. And if you'd like more information or have questions regarding this or any of the teachings I present, feel free to contact me at mravyosef at gmail.com. That's M-R-A-V-Y-O-S-E-F at gmail.com. In this podcast, I'm going to be discussing sin, repentance, and forgiveness. Most people, even some unbelievers, are familiar with these three concepts, although many may not fully understand how much these three things affect our relationship with our Father in Heaven, with His Son, Messiah Yeshua, and with people in general. I realize that pronouncing or even attempting to pronounce the name of the God of our forefathers, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, is offensive to many Jewish people. They have chosen or been taught to address him as Hashem or Adonai. At the same time, many Christian and Catholic believers use titles, titles such as God or Lord, rather than his name. So the question is, which is the best way to address our Father in heaven and his Son? Now, in the Proverbs, chapter 30, verse 4, King Solomon asks, What is his name, and what is his son's name, if you know it? Now, in Scripture, his name is represented by the Tetragrammaton, the letters yud Hey, vav Hey, or when transliterated, it's Y-H-V-H, but the correct pronunciation of his name is very debatable. yud Hey, vav Hey refers to our Father's attribute of mercy, while his name Elohim refers to his attribute of judgment. Then again, when you read in Scripture yud Hey, vav Hey, Elohim together, we see circumstances where he's tempering his judgment with mercy. So in deciding the best way to address yud Hey, vav Hey, I turn to the Psalms where King David referred to our father as Yah about 40 times. In order to avoid any offense or misunderstanding, I'm going to attempt to use the name Yah for yud Hey, vav Hey where possible. But keep in mind that in Scripture we are commanded not to add to or take away from what is written. That means there will be cases where I quote scripture where the tetragrammaton is used, I must use yud Hey vav Hey. Now in respect to his son's name, his name is Yehoshua, or the shortened form, Yeshua, and there's no reason to use any other name but that. So and I will be using Yeshua most of the time of this podcast. But the focus of this podcast is not about names. It's about sin, repentance, and forgiveness. So with that said, let's first address sin. All the troubles in this world can be traced back to sin. Now, contrary to what many politicians and some academics are saying, the biggest problem facing our world today is sin, and that has been the case from the very beginning. Man has made sin an even bigger problem by continuously attempting to change 
Elohim's definition of sin. Most Jewish people, for example, follow directives of their rabbis, who have added to and taken away from the written word continuously. Catholics follow the dictates of their pope, and Christians adhere to the doctrines of their denominations, many of which believe are based on Paul's teachings. Interestingly enough, all three of these groups claim their foundations are based solidly in the Tanakh, which is commonly referred to as the Old Testament. And yet, in the Tanakh itself, Elohim clearly states, we are forbidden to add to the word which he commands us. We're not to take away from it, so that we guard the commands of Yehovah our Elohim, which he has commanded us. Now that's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, but it's repeated also in Deuteronomy 12, 32. But that's not the only place we find warnings about adding to or taking away from Scripture. For instance, King Solomon in Proverbs verse 30, verse 6, warned us against adding to his words, stating, Do not add to his words, lest he reprove you, and you be found a liar. And then in 28.9, he added, He who turns away his ear from hearing the Torah, that's Yah's laws, even his prayers abomination. Now that, that's a profound statement from King Solomon. If you turn your ear away from hearing the Torah, your prayer becomes an abomination. And then in Shemot or Exodus chapter 32, verse 33, following the sin of the golden calf, Elohim told Moshe, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. And as you can see from just these few verses, sin is not something to be taken lightly or lightly dismissed. In scripture, the truth is defined as the sum of Yah's word. And this means that whatever is written in the second writings, or what is commonly called the New Testament, cannot contradict, add to, or take away from what is written in the Tanakh or the Torah. Unfortunately, several passages in the second writings have been misunderstood and taught incorrectly. For instance, in Colossians 2.6, in most English Bibles, this verse reads, Let no one therefore judge you in eating or drinking or in respect of a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. Paul's warning is correct. But many New Testament teachers mistakenly teach that Paul was saying a person is free to eat whatever he wishes or to worship on whatever day he chooses. But as you can see, this would contradict Elohim's word and lead people to sin. A more accurate understanding of what Paul was teaching and one that does not add to or take away from Elohim's word is that we should not let any man judge us in regards to what we eat or drink or Yah's appointed times, especially the Sabbath. Simply because when Messiah returns, we're not going to be judged by man. We will be judged according to Elohim's word, his laws, his statutes, and his ordinance, and not man's tradition, man's teachings, or man-made laws. It is imperative that a person understands what constitutes a sin, and there are different kind of sins in the Torah. But let's look at the word sin. It's translated from the Hebrew word katah, which means to remove from the source of life. So when we sin, we remove ourselves from the source of life, which is, of course, our Father in heaven. Yadhe Elohim. Sin separates us from our Father. 
And if sin is not addressed, it can lead to eternal separation from him, which is eternal death. Now, Paul understood the danger to sin, and he wrote in his letter to Rome, for the wages of sin is death. That's in Romans 6.23. John, Yochanan, in 1 John 3.17, wrote that everyone doing sin also does lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Sin is breaking any of Elohim's laws that pertain to you. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, Messiah Yeshua warned that we're to keep even the least of Yah's commandments and teach them to others, or we would be among the least in the reign of the heavens. And he added that unless our righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, we would in no way enter into the reign of the heavens. Today, many people assume because, that because they have accepted Messiah Yeshua as Savior, that their righteousness already exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes. But if that were the case, why did Yeshua find it necessary to warn his followers about their righteousness? And the answer is simple. If you consider what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing leading up to the time the Messiah's first sojourn among us, they had claimed that they had the authority to do what Elohim had forbidden man to do and were adding to and taking away from his commandments. They were also making their traditions into oral laws and requiring people to follow that as well. So here they were adding to, taking away, making new laws, adding traditions that had to be followed and that were equal to Yah's commandments. This helps us understand the Messiah's warning about our righteousness exceeding that of the scribes and the Pharisees. In order for our righteousness to exceed theirs, we must not be guilty of adding to or taking away from Elohim's commandments. We can't allow man-made laws or man's traditions to be enforced or taught as being equal to Yedevave Elohim's commandments. If we do, our righteousness is no better than that of the Pharisees and the scribes. In addition to the Hebrew word katah that's translated as sin, there is another Hebrew word we should look at, and that is peshah. And peshah is translated usually as transgression. And the root word there means to misuse a relationship. And it's often associated with some type of rebellion. The word peshah is used in Genesis chapter 50, verse 17. And this is where Joseph's brothers had approached him and asked him to forgive the transgression they had committed against him when they had thrown him into the pit in the wilderness, either to kill him and then later on to sell him into slavery. So as you see, a transgression or rebellion is an intentional act. This tells us there are two ways a person can sin, both of which require sincere, from-the-heart repentance. You can sin intentionally, knowingly and willingly breaking one of his commandments, and then you can sin unintentionally, either through ignorance or by mistake. Let's first look at some of the verses in Scripture that address intentional sins. And the first one I'd like to look at is in the book of Numbers, chapter 15, verses 30 through 31. And this is a very important verse. But the being who does whatever defiantly or intentionally whether he is a native or a stranger, he reviles Yehovah, 
and that being shall be cut off from among his people, because he has despised the word of Yehovah and has broken his command. That being shall certainly be cut off. His crookedness is upon him. There are three words in this passage that are really quite often overlooked that we'd like to get a little bit better understanding of. The first one is found where it says, but the being who does whatever defiantly. That word being is translated from the Hebrew word nefesh, which is a reference to one's soul. And that teaches us that sin not only affects our physical body, it affects our soul. Now the second word they want to look at is the word stranger, because it's translated from the word ger. And that is a reference to a Gentile grafting in and becoming a Hebrew. Now, of course, the first Hebrew in Scripture is Abraham. He became an Ivri. He had crossed over from paganism into believing in the one true Elohim of creation. So a, a Gentile grafting into and becoming a Hebrew is referred to as a Ger. The problem is in most English Bibles, there's three different words translated as stranger, Ger, Teshav, and Nakri, and so you have to be careful with English translations to fully understand what the context of the Hebrew is. The third word in this passage we want to pay attention to is the word reviles from the Hebrew word magadef. And that's the Hebrew word that means to blaspheme. So if we were to accurately translate these three words in this passage, we would have a little bit different understanding of this verse. But the soul of who does whatever defiantly, whether he is a native or a Gentile grafting into the Hebrews, he blasphemes Yodhe and that soul shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of Yodhe and has broken his command. That being shall certainly be cut off because his crookedness is upon him. But there's something else that really catches your ear when you study this verse, and that's the fact that according to Yodhe Elohim, Anyone who intentionally breaks any of Elohim's commandments does so because he despises his word. He despises what's written in the Tanakh or the Old Testament. Now this is a troubling passage to me, especially in regards to the Sabbath, because it means that a person who chooses not to guard and keep Yehovah's Sabbath does so because he despises his word. Not just the Sabbath, but all of his word. In the second writings, the author of Hebrews also warns against intentional sins. For if we sin purposely, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a slaughter offering for sin, but some fearsome anticipation of judgment, and a fierce fire which is about to consume the opponents. Anyone who has disregarded the Torah of Moshe dies without compassion on the witness of two or three witnesses. Now that's a quote from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 28. Keep in mind that this warning found in the book of Hebrews was written many, many years after the Messiah's resurrection and ascension to our Father's right hand, which teaches us that years after the Messiah's resurrection, his followers were still teaching the importance of guarding the laws of Yehovah Elohim, even the least of them. But the Torah also discusses unintentional sins in several other places. For instance, in Leviticus chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, we read that when a being commits a trespass and has sinned by mistake against any of the set-apart matters of yod heh 
Then he is to bring to Yodhavah his guilt offering and so forth. And then again in Numbers chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. And when you sin by mistake and not do all of these commands which Yodhavah has spoken to Moshe, all that Yodhavah has commanded you by the hand of Moshe, from the day Yodhavah gave command and onward throughout your generations. And in Numbers 15, 29, as for him who does whatever by mistake, there is one Torah, both for him who is native among the children of Israel and for the stranger. There's that word ger. Someone is grafting into the Hebrews. So these laws are for the children of Israel and for the stranger, the ger who sojourns in their midst. There's another verse that's critical to our understanding of unintentional sins, and that is found in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 17. In this verse, Yah declares, And when any being sins and has done what is not to be done against any of the commands of Yehovah, though he knew it not, yet he shall be guilty and shall bear his crookedness. Even if a person's sins are unintentional, whether by mistake or out of ignorance, he or she is still accountable for that sin unless he repents. Now, some have argued that a person should not be held accountable for something they didn't know was a sin, but according to our Creator, our Father in Heaven, you're still accountable for unintentional sins, which shows us the importance of studying to show ourselves approved, of studying and understanding what Yadavave Elohim declares to be a sin, a transgression, abomination, Paul was well aware of the dangers of unintentional sins. He wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Do your utmost to present yourself approved to Elohim, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Being in covenant with Elohim requires that we study in order to know what he has established as a sin, a transgression, or an abomination so that we can walk blamelessly or perfectly before him. All sin, intentional or unintentional, requires repentance. In the second writings, the first recorded teaching we have of Messiah Yeshua is found in Matthew 5, 3. And in that passage, he called on the people of Israel to repent for the reign of the heavens has come near. Now, to many people, repentance means to feel sorry or to express remorse about one's transgression or sin. While that is certainly part of repentance, it's not the complete idea or concept of repentance. Webster's Dictionary defines repentance as to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life and adds that they should feel regret or contrition. Now, this definition is similar to that of the Hebrew concept of repentance, which is based on the word shuvah. Shuvah is from a root word that means to turn back or to return. So in the Hebrew mindset, repentance means more than just recognizing and confessing a sin. It means more than just feeling regret over that sin. It includes a determined effort to return to living and obeying all of the commandments that pertain to you. Now, the Messiah himself warned a repentant person to go and sin no more. That's, uh, for instance, in John 8, 11. But keep in mind that not all of the 613 commandments in the Torah apply to every individual. Some commandments are only for the priest. Some apply to women. There are specific commandments for women in regards to childbirth. 
And there are other commandments that only apply when we're actually living in the land, the land of our inheritance, which is Israel. It is a person's own responsibility to know the commandments that apply to them and to learn to guard and keep those commandments. So many times in the Tanakh, the prophets had to address Israel's failure to turn back to Yah and guard his commandments. For instance, in Jeremiah 5.3, we read, O Yadhe are your eyes not on truth? You have stricken them, and they have not grieved. You have consumed them, but they have refused to receive instruction. They made their faces stronger than rock, and they refused to turn back. And then the prophet Ezekiel wrote in 14.6, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus said the master Yehovah, Repent and turn back from your idols, and turn back your faces from all of your abominations. He added in Ezekiel 18.30, Therefore I judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the master Yehovah. Repent and turn back from all your transgressions, and let not crookedness be a stumbling block to you. And then Ezekiel 18.32, he said, For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies. So turn back and live. True repentance, tishiva, means returning or bringing yourself back to guarding Elohim's commandments. And this is something you must do. It's not something that Elohim does for us. Simply confessing a sin but not turning back to guarding his commandments is just that, a confession of guilt. It does not fulfill the letter or the spirit of true repentance. Rabbi Zadok HaKohen, who lived in Lublin, Poland from 1823 to 1900, had a very unique perspective on Tishuvah. And he taught that when Yehovah Elohim created us, he gave each of us certain talents, strengths, abilities, uh, even some weaknesses, all of this went into who we were to be, that we could serve him and serve our fellow man. And yet what we did is we took all of these strengths and talents and abilities, and rather than serving Yehovah Elohim, we used these same strengths and abilities to sin against him. So true repentance means not only recognizing that you've sinned or broken a commandment, it not only means you have feeling remorse about it, but it's realizing what we've done to him with the talents and abilities have given us and determining in our hearts to take those talents and abilities and rather than sin against him, use them to serve him and to serve our fellow man. If you'll recall, the definition of a transgression was to abuse a relationship, which was rebellion. And that's what we do when we take the talents and abilities he's given us and we choose to sin rather than to serve him. We rebel against him. We rebel against his commandments. So we have to turn from that back to living as he created and intended us to live. Messiah Yeshua gave his life and his blood to atone for our sins. When we consider the suffering and sacrifice he endured, should it not also be our goal to turn from sin and turn back to serving our Father just as he served him? If we are willing to lay our lives down and serve our Father as our Messiah served him, then we can truly experience the fullness of Yadavah Elohim's forgiveness and the peace that that brings. We've all heard so many times that there is nothing we can do to gain our Father's forgiveness or our deliverance or salvation, but that's not exactly true. 
You see, forgiveness is our Father's response to our sincere, heartfelt repentance. And response is the key word in that statement. We must take the first step. It's only after we have performed Teshuva by acknowledging our sin, pleading the atoning blood of Messiah Yeshua, and rededicating ourselves to following His Word that we truly walk in His forgiveness. As King David wrote in Psalms 86, 5 and 6, For you, Yehovah, are good and ready to forgive and great and loving commitment to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Yehovah, to my prayer and listen to the voice of my pleadings. We made the decision to turn from Elohim's word and sin. We have to make the decision to turn back to guarding his commandments and loving him. To forgive or forgiveness is translated from the Hebrew word salakah, and it's from a root word that means to progress through forgiveness. And that takes some understanding, progressing through forgiveness. Learning to be perfect or to mean forgiven and walking blamelessly before Yah is a process that takes time. We've all heard people claim to be just sinners saved by grace and that's all they can ever be, but that's not what El Shaddai expects of us. It's not what our Father wants for us to be. He wants us to be more than just sinners saved by grace. He wants us to be his people, his children. He told Abraham in Genesis 17, 1, to walk before him and be perfect. Now the Messiah added to this in Matthew 5:48, he called upon his followers, therefore be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So as we progress through forgiveness, we will all stumble along the way. King Solomon wrote, for seven times a righteous man falls and rises, but the wrong one stumbles into evil. That's in Proverbs 24:16. The goal of a righteous person is to rise when we fall, not to succumb to our sin. Day by day, we must learn to walk blamelessly before our fathers. None of us can be sinless, sinless, but we can be blameless. Those who sincerely repent of their sins and turn back to Yehovah Elohim through Messiah Yeshua's sacrifice have so much to look forward to and so many promises from our Father. I'd like to close this podcast by reminding us all of some of those promises, just a couple of them. For instance, in Psalms 103, 11, and 12, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving commitment toward those who fear him. As far as east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. But that is not all he's promised us regarding our sin. Later on in Jeremiah chapter 31, and this will take place sometime during the Messiah's thousand-year reign, our Father has promised us that He will forgive our crookednesses and remember our sin no more. What a day that is going to be. For now, sin is the problem. Repentance is the solution, and forgiveness is a reward. Whether a person describes himself or herself as Jewish, Catholic, Christian, or Hebrew, the question remains. Whose definition of sin are you following? And whose forgiveness is it that you're seeking? Follow the Messiah's example. Learn to master sin as Yah warned Cain. Learn to walk blamelessly, perfectly before our Father as we prepare for the Messiah's return. None of us can be sinless, but we can be blameless before our Father in heaven, thanks to Messiah Yeshua. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and shalom, shalom.